0: want us to go again. I want to I want to give ample opportunity to the Holy Spirit. What a tremendous service we had last Sunday. Holy Spirit's doing something in this house. The enemy is doing his best to try to rattle, I guess is the word that I feel. Rattle people. You know, if he can just rattle you a little bit, if he can just rattle distract you just a little bit. It's amazing what he can divert you from what God is doing. So I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm thankful for the presence of God that's in this place in a tremendous way today, tremendous outpouring. I really want to encourage folks about Tuesday night prayer. That is a integral part of what God is doing uh, at New Harvest Church, and I really want to open. I want to open a door today to some people that say, "Man, I really don't know how to pray. I don't know how to stand in agreement. I really don't know how to vocally release things into the atmosphere into my situation." Tuesday night prayer is not only an opportunity to do that; it's an opportunity to learn how to do that. Learn how to stand in the gap. Learn how to pray. Learn how to create an atmosphere in your own life. Amen. You don't have to go Monday through Saturday with no presence in your life. Every day, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. You don't have to go all week with no presence and show up on Sunday and get your tank filled up. I can wake up on Monday and learn how to generate an atmosphere in my life. And you learn how to do that in atmospheres where people know how to come into agreement, declare the Word of God, declare the things of God, declare what they hear in the Holy Spirit, and begin to create an atmosphere in their own life. I can get up on Monday and create a tremendous atmosphere in my life. I have learned this, the simple Lord's Prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, as soon as I begin to say that, I create an avenue for God to invade my day. Give me this day, my daily bread. We try to lump it all into a year. Lord, make 2021 a great year. No, if I can just get up today and get God in my day, 2021 will be a good year. If I can get God into my 365 days of 2021, how many believe that 2021 may have some challenges, but in the end, I'm going to go God was faithful. I saw God do some tremendous things in my life. I saw the Holy Spirit move like I've never seen him move, but it starts by just getting him in my day. If I can get him in my day, I can get him in my week. If I can get him in my week, I can get him in my month. If I can get him in my month, I can transform a year And I can declare at the end of the year, look what the Lord has done. A weapon formed against me has prospered this year. The devil tried his best, but I saw the power of the Holy Spirit at every turn stop the attack of the enemy. And not only stop the attack, but use his efforts against me, use his strength against me to lift me up to another level so that I could declare and look back. I'm not where I was 2020 But the enemy and his attacks against me have become spiritual food for me to rise up and do something that I never thought was possible in my life. Hallelujah. And it all begins. You need to get here on Tuesday night. You need to learn to get in agreement with some people. You need to learn that no man has an island unto himself. Well, I don't need need agreement. Me and God. No, the first thing God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good for you to go through this Christian life all by yourself and not learning how to get in agreement. Not learn to stand with one another. Not learn to just fight, not because of a goal, but fight simply to keep one another alive, keep one another functioning. Amen. Because when I get in here on Tuesday night, I'm not just praying for myself and my family. As soon as I walk in here and begin to say, God, I'll lift you up. I thank you for your presence in this place. We take up the mandate of prayer. We become a band of brothers that cannot be stopped. In the name of Jesus, amen. Why don't you stand with me today? Let's read the word of God again. First Kings chapter 1. I'm going to follow in pastor's footsteps. We have a title, but I have a subtitle. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Chuck and the qualities that he has. I'm so thankful for the leadership team. You need to put your hands together this morning for the leadership team at New Harvest Church. I don't think there's ever been a stronger, more united, more focused leadership team than the one right now. Amen. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that? Well, they all show up for Tuesday night prayer. Amen. I can remember the early days of New Harvest Church. We had early morning prayer. Amen. Early morning prayer. I remember one time we went to visit a church up in uh, Maryland. Bishop and I I sang, and he preached. And uh, they didn't have early morning prayer. And we had been having early morning prayer probably, I think we got there about 6 and prayed from 6 to 7. Some great funny stories out of early morning prayer. And we began to pray, well, that church didn't have early morning prayer. And Bishop decides to say, hey, let's have early morning prayer tomorrow. And when he found out they didn't have early morning prayer, and he said, what time do you want to have early morning prayer? And he said, what about 10 o'clock? So he was taking uh, advantage of the fact (laughs) that they had no early, early morning prayer culture in that church. But I'm telling you, that team that will pray together will make an impact. They'll stay focused. You'll be able to destroy the things that want to divide you and conquer you. So if you can learn to pray together, you'll learn to make an impact together. In Jesus' name. First Kings, I'm going to begin reading in verse number one. I'm going to go all the way back to verse one. Everybody got your Bible or your app or your, you need to have something. Verse one, when King David was old and well advanced in years, he could not keep warm. He had reverse menopause. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Let that sink in for a moment. That was deep. He could not keep warm, even when they put covers over him. So a servant said to him, let us look for a young virgin to attend the king and take care of him. That's better than A.C., you know. That's better than a heater. That's, I guess that's the Old Testament heating blanket. A virgin. Let's find a young virgin to attend him. I would have never thought of that. She can lie beside him so that our Lord the king may keep warm. Then they searched throughout Israel for a beautiful girl and found Abishag. Beautiful girl, terrible name, Abishag. A Shunammite, I'm probably not pronouncing you know, it, that's Western pronunciations. A Shunammite and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful. She took care of the king and waited on him. But the king had no intimate relationships with her. I could say something real funny right there, but I will not. <laughs> Verse number five. Now, Adonijah, Adonijah, whatever you want to say. Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Hagith. Man, terrible names, Haggith. Hey, Amen. Short for hag. <laughs> That's where we get that from. Who's the old hag, you know? Now, Adonijah, whose mother, this is just full of stand-up comedy stuff. Now, Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith, put himself forward and said, put himself forward and said, I will be king. So he got chariots and horses ready with 50 men to run ahead, run ahead of him. And verse 6 his father had never interfered with him by asking, why do you behave as you do? And he was very handsome and was born next after Absalom. Now, at this point, Absalom was already dead. Adoniah conferred with Joab, son of Zeruiah. Now, Joab was the commander of the army. Somebody say the military. Adoniah conferred with the military. And with Abiathar, the priest, the priesthood, and they gave them, gave him their support. But Zadok the priest, Benaniah, Benaiah, I'm sorry, son of Jehoiada, Nathan the prophet, Shimei and Ray, some of that translates, and friends, and David's special guard did not join Adonijah. And Adonijah then sacrificed sheep, cattle, and fat calves at the stone of Zoeleth near Enrogel invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah who were royal officials, but he did not invite Nathan the prophet. If you're going to plan an overthrow, you better get a prophetic word. Let me say that again. If you're going to do anything for God, you better have a prophetic word. But Nathan, the prophet, or Benaiah, or the special guard, or his brother Solomon. Then Nathan asked Bathsheba, Solomon's mother, Have you not heard that Adoniah, the son of Haggith, has become king without our Lord David's knowing it? Now then, let me advise you how you can save your own life and the life of your son Solomon. Go into King David and say to him, My Lord the king, did you not swear to me your servant? Surely Solomon your son shall be king after me. And he will sit on my throne. Why then has Adoniah become king? While you are still there talking to the king, I will come in and confirm what you have said. I want us to look back at verse number 6. His father had never interfered with him, talking about Adoniah. David had never interfered with Adoniah by asking, why do you behave as you do? I'm preaching out of Adoniah. Why does Adoniah reign? But my subtitle is this, MIA Fathers. David never interfered with Adoniah. Why are you doing this? And I believe this is an important series of messages that, Bishop, uh, that Pastor Chuck has started because I believe it speaks to the very political upheaval in our nation today. And I'm not talking about Joe Biden or Donald Trump. I'm talking about the political upheaval that is apparent in our nation today. Can I get an amen? Because I believe this. Political upheaval is directly tied to family upheaval. The first government in the earth was the family, was a mom, was a dad, was a son, and a daughter. When you begin to tear down the family, you'll tear down a nation. When you begin to destroy the family government, the nation's government is next. I want to speak to MIA fathers today. The answer for this nation is not in Washington. The answer for this nation is men fathers who will rise up and declare once again that I have a mandate as a father, as a man, to stand in the gap not only for my nation but for my family, for my sons and my daughters. I hear the echoing Declaration of Nehemiah. Build the wall. And when you're discouraged, remember your wives, remember your children, and fight. There is a fresh declaration being made in the Spirit today that you don't have to sit back. Everybody's going, What can I do? What can I say? How can I get involved? We need men to rise up, fathers to rise up. Now, ladies, this does not, you know, don't go, not preaching to me today. You're just as much involved in this. Sons and daughters today go, Woo, I'm glad I ain't got no kids today. You are just as much involved in this because, kids, if you do not honor the fathers and fathers, if you do not honor the kids, it does not matter what political platform is in Washington, D.C. We are headed for destruction. So, Father, today I pray a special anointing to preach the word today, to honor our pastors, honor the leadership of this house. I thank you for the anointing in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. M-I-A fathers. And when I used that verse 6 today about, you know, I'd been, because Pastor Chuck's been preaching out of it, you know, it just begins to stir things up. But our different giftings begin to be released, and I begin to see things in it because of my gifting. And I looked at verse 6, and I said, Why does Adoniah reign? Because of verse 6. His father never got in his face and said, Hey, Adoniah. What are you doing? Nobody ever told you you were going to be king. I don't care how good looking you are. I don't care how appealing you are. I don't care how next in line you are. You do not have a prophetic word that says you will be the king. Adonai, you have left out one key ingredient in your life. You have never allowed the prophetic word to penetrate your heart and cause you to fall in line with what God wants you to do for your life. Be wary of people who don't honor the prophetic word. Wow. And I know there's a lot of prophetic words out there right now about government. It doesn't really matter. What prophets are saying about the the upheaval in our nation, if it's not directly tied with the ability to speak to fathers and say, hey, yes, there's political upheaval, and I believe this person, by the word of God, is going to be president, or this one is. doesn't really matter how all that plays out. What matters playing out is what is the prophet saying to you? And as a prophetic-natured person, the prophet is saying to you, "Men, we've got to get up and begin to make an impact. We've got to get up and stop being the followers of our families and start being the leaders again. We've got to stand up and quit being timid, afraid of standing and saying, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I believe the word is true, I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit instead of shrinking back to some corner that says, I don't want any confrontation. I just want to blend in Christian camouflage. The prophetic word to the church today, to the world today, is if I can just get a father to be a father, you can change a nation. But he never got in Adonai's face. He never got in his face. Adonai, I love you. I may have made some mistakes in my life when you were being raised. Maybe you didn't have a good example. But what you are doing right now is dangerous because you do not have the support of the prophet. You don't. Have the support of the prophet, and you need to be wary. This is worth saying again. You need to be wary of people that do not honor the prophetic word, not only in their life but in a church over a region. It's the prophetic word that keeps us from foolishness. It's the prophetic word that keeps us from putting ourselves forward. It's the prophetic word that keeps us in line with what God is doing in our nation and around the world. What is the prophet saying? And let me say this. You need to be careful of how many prophetic channels you have coming into your life. Nathan the prophet You need to be careful how many people speak into your life. You better key in and find that person that God says they are it. I'll never forget the Sunday morning that I gave my life to Christ. I had a spiritual experience growing up enough to know the spirit of the Lord and the voice of the Lord. I was called to preach at 10 years old sitting in a Methodist church. One day you'll preach the gospel like this man. But I walked in the church where Bishop was pastor. I didn't know him from Adam. I didn't know him from anyone. But I walked in. I knew the church that I was to be a part of. And I walked in and I heard the spirit of the Lord as plain as day. This man is going to help unlock the gift and the calling that's down on the inside of you. But the first thing I did was I did not turn on TBN. I did not... Seek the greatest school of the prophets to get another word. That's the word I needed. And that word keyed me into, if you're going to have any voices in your life, you better make sure this is one of them. And I think that's the the problem with the body of Christ today. We've allowed too many prophetic channels into our life. One's got us going this way, one's got us going that way. You better find your father, and you better find the prophetic word for your life so that you can begin a life that not only destroys darkness and stands against the power of the enemy, but it also releases the gift and the calling that's down on the inside of you. Heaven forbid you're at the same place spiritually at the end of this year as you are right now. If you are, it's not God's fault. Amen. You need to find one prophetic source into your life and grab a hold of it with everything you've got. Hallelujah. But we just make them a company of prophets in our life. The most successful people in the Word of God had one prophet. When David failed with Bathsheba, he only had one guy come to him. And gave David this beautiful, eloquent speech. David, there was this guy raising a and his family had this one lamb and it was precious to him. And they raised it up. And it literally slept with them, ate with him. It was another one of their kids. Beautiful story. But then there's this rich man who had many sheep, many sheep in his possession. And when it came time to sacrifice, he went to the family that had one sheep. And he took that one dear, precious sheep that they had poured their lives into. He took it from that poor family and he sacrificed it and he took it. And David said, Where is that man? Where is that family that would do such a terrible thing? And Nathan said, You are that man. You are that man. Because you sit with a house full of women, a house full of wives, but yet you went out and you killed the man of a woman that you lusted after. You are that man. And David didn't turn around. I don't like that prophetic word. Let me go find another one. But David fell on his face and he cried out to God I am that man. And I think that's the one thing that kept David through all of his ups and downs. His successes and failures. He cherished the word of God even when it hurt. Hallelujah. How many cherish the tough words as much as you do the blessing words? You better watch how many prophets... You better know the prophets. If you, if you hear some person off a of TV that you don't know, then they would not know you, you don't need to be listening to them. I don't care how many books. Let me say that again. I think I'm speaking to the heart of the body of Christ. If you don't know that person, and they would not know you if you walked into a room, you don't need to be listening to them. You better be listening to the prophets that live and breathe with you that walk through you, through your crap, through your mistakes. Hallelujah. But because of social media today and YouTube and just mass production of stuff, there's all these channels, and they may be right on with God. But if you cannot call on that prophet by name and he cannot call on you by name, you don't need to be listening to him. I'm thankful for the prophetic anointing in this house, and you're getting a ton of it right now. See, some of you right now, if it was me or Pastor Chuck, you're listening to what's coming from this pulpit, but at the same time, you're spiritually tuned in to another source. And you wonder why you're so divided, fragmented. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to go to my notes for this, even though it's not an exhaustive list. But I want us to look at a couple father failures and what resulted. Number one is this Noah. Somebody say, Noah. hall of faith hall of faith guy but out of three sons him, Shem and Japheth the middle son how many have problems how many have more than two children you got three at least man that middle child is a mess aren't they? no I'm just teasing I'm just playing Destiny is our middle girl she always played that We have four. We have an even number. If you have an even number, you can't have a middle child. So all you parent wannabes out there, have two, have four, have six, even numbers. Amen. Don't stop at an odd number. You'll have a ham and a turkey. But Noah and Ham, what was the result of Noah and Ham? When Ham walked in on Noah, after he had built the ark, having a little party, had a little too much to drink, went in his tent and got naked. I don't know, maybe it was a thing back then. Went into his tent, got naked, and passed out. Come on, let's read the Bible like it says. Went into his tent, passed out. Ham walks in to say, Dad, awesome job. Sees his dad there, passed out naked. Instead of walking out and just going, Wow. That's an image I can never get out of my head. Instead, he walks out and said, Do you know what? Our dad, who did just a tremendous thing by building this ark and saving us, is in there drunk and naked and passed out. Can you believe that? And Shem and Japheth, instead of going in and exposing their father, put a blanket over their shoulders, walked in backwards, and covered their father's nakedness. But Ham, a father and son breakdown, gave us Canaan. Now, I don't have time today. This would be a teaching series for a long time, but Canaan ended up being a problem. Nothing good comes out of a father-child breakdown. Number two, Abraham and Ishmael. Abraham and Ishmael, we know the story. Abraham just could not wait. i got to make this promise happen. He goes in with Sarah's, Sarah's maidservant, has a baby with her named Ishmael. And we know the word of God. Ishmael is a son. I'm going to bless him, but he's not the one to carry on the promise. You're not going to be able to do this in your own flesh, Abraham. It's going to be by faith in the Holy Ghost. Ishmael was produced, and we know the story. Sarah couldn't stand it. She was still barren, and she drove Ishmael and her mother and his mother out of their presence, he, she told Abraham, he's got to go. And Abraham was too weak to stand up against Sarah. And he drove Ishmael and his mother out of their presence. And we know this story. Ishmael went on to become, in other words, the Arab nations. Let's break it down today. The Muslim nations. Wow, let me tell you something. It's amazing what problems we can create just when we break down the family. Hallelujah. That was thousands of years ago, but we're still paying the backlash. America, America, there's going to be a tremendous backlash if you break down the family. When there's a family breakdown, there's a backlash that you'll never be able to out pray. Lot, let's bring the daughters into the scene. Lot we know the story. Lot hailstorm out of heaven. the Spirit of the Lord tells Lot listen get out of that city, don't look back. We know Lot's wife looked back she became a box of iodized salt. Come on do you hear what I'm saying? she was no longer low sodium. High blood pressure ran in her family from that point on. But we know the story. Lot and his two daughters flee the city. They go into a cave somewhere because they can't find refuge. And the two daughters come up with this plan. It's amazing when the father falls down what the kids will come up with. Why are kids doing what they're doing today? It's because the fathers have fallen down. Let me say that again. I need a bigger amen right there. Why are kids doing what they're doing today? It's because the fathers are falling down. And the two daughters conspire and say, listen, there's no guys around here. There's no social networking so that we can do online dating. So let's get our dad drunk. How perverted is this? Let's get our dad drunk and get him to get us pregnant. Wow. Wow thought your family was a mess. Let's get our dad drunk, go in and have intercourse with him, get pregnant by him so that we can have children and continue the offspring. What did that become? That became Moab, one of the greatest enemies of the children of Israel. We are creating our own enemy. Oh, it's China, it's Russia. No, it's the broken down fathers in our nation. We are making our own enemies. Wow. Isaac and Esau, let me speed up a little bit. Isaac and Esau, what do you get? You get the Edomites, another tremendous enemy of the children of Israel when they came to possess the land. Eli, the priest Eli, how many remember him? Priest Eli, two sons that were totally corrupt, sleeping with the ladies in the church. The next generation of the priesthood, sleeping with the ladies in the church, taking the best parts of the sacrifice for themselves. Wow. This is a great, I don't, I'm surprised Jerry Springer never went to the word of God. I mean, it's just full Sleeping with the ladies in the church, taking the best sacrifices. What was the result? Without me reading a lot of scripture, the result was the presence of the Lord was lost out of Israel. God said, I can't put up with that. Dad, I can't put up with you allowing your sons because it explicitly says Eli never confronted his sons. Man, we need some fathers with a backbone. Weak-knee dads. we got to stop being weak-knee dads. We've got to stop sticking our head in the sand and saying, well, me being a dad and a father is really not all that important as long as the government fixes my mess. Hallelujah. We're creating our own enemies. Look at somebody and say, I'm creating my own enemies. Let me go with this one. David. David, the dad we're talking about today. David's line. Right now, we're starting between David and Solomon, the line of kings that will reign in Judah. Let me give you a little history. First king was Saul. We know that. He was over both, all of Israel. There was no divided kingdom yet. And we know... The only transfer of power right there, because David was not his son. He was spiritually, but biologically, he was not Saul's son. It should have gone to Jonathan, but Jonathan and Saul both were killed. And God and the people of Israel raised up David. David became king. The kingdom was still united. There was no northern and southern division. Stay with me. Don't sleep on this. The kingdom still united. And all of a sudden, there begins to be a little bit of upheaval. Adonijah raises up. And we know that Adonai does not become king. Solomon does. Still a united kingdom. But now we've started the line of David. And we know that Jesus was in that line, and he fulfilled all the way. But then under Solomon is Rehoboam. And Rehoboam's the one that the advisors came to him and said, Rehoboam? If you'll lighten the load your dad put on us, we'll serve you. But Rehoboam did not listen to the voice of wisdom or the prophetic voice. He listened to his buddies. Sometimes your friends will mess you up if they're not spiritually motivated. You need some friends that tell you the prophetic truth before they tell you the truth. Hallelujah. But then his buddy said, tell them this. Your dad whipped us with uh, whips, but we're going to whip you with scorpions. I mean, we're going to make it. You know, my dad's waist was the size of my little finger, but I'm fixing to bear down on you with a power that far exceeds my dad's. What happens? The nation rebels against him. You get the other tribes, and all you get is Judah and Benjamin left over in the southern tribe. But that begins David's line, and there's 20 or 21 kings In that line, here's a good number for you. Some sources say, you can read your Bible. One says, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. But sources narrow it all down. Out of about 20, 21 kings, five were good. Now, David's line's interesting. The northern kingdom went from this guy, and that guy killed him, and he became king. It was not a family transition. But David's line, the southern kingdom was a family. It was father, son, father, son father, son, and it's amazing that we could hardly put together three good years of good, good, good. So somewhere in the whole flow of those 21, 20, 21 kings, there was always the influence of upheaval, of distortion, of perversion trying to come in. So you get a beautiful picture, and David's fixing to kick it off right here. You get a beautiful picture of what happens when fathers don't get in the face of their son and say, what are you doing? I mean, you would have great kings, and this is just, this is not the chronological line, but you would have a great king like a Josiah rise up. Ah, man, this is it. Man, he restored everything. He restored Passover, the word of God. That's why so many people name their kid Josiah. I have a son-in-law named Josiah. It's just he was a great king. And right after that, you get a kid raised up named Manasseh. I mean, talk about black and white, good and bad. Hallelujah. Where are the fathers getting in the face of the next generation and saying, what are you doing? You're squandering your life. This is not what God has planned for you. Why didn't David confront Adoniah? Number one could be this. This is all speculation. But based on David's life, I believe it could be true. Number one is this. Could be out of his own sin. Who am I to confront my son? I'm just an old mess. You may be a mess, but buddy, now you're a father. So you better get out of your pity party and be a dad. Be a messed up dad. But be one that loves your kids enough to say, hey, I've made some mistakes, so I am getting in your face to keep you from making the same mistakes. Hallelujah. Need some help out of the ladies. Number two is this, pursuing his own success. Dads, you can get so tied up in pursuing your own success that you forget about little opportunities to get in their face and say, no, 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 that's not what that behavior there is not in line with the prophetic word over my life on how my family's going to go. The prophetic word over David was, you shall never fail to have some of your seed on the throne. No, 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 son. No, 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 daughter. That's going to take you away from the prophetic word that's over this house. But it's interesting, when David had married Haggith, the hag, and gave birth to Adoniah, he was not yet king over all of Israel. So a couple of things. He's running for his life from Saul still. How many believe that would tie you up? Oh, I've got to keep myself alive. But all the while, we've got children that need some correction. Oh, I've got, to, I've got to get my 401K built up because at 65, I'm going to retire and fish and hunt. All the while, we're neglecting our children. Oh, they'll be all right. I'm a, I, I take them to church every Sunday. Whoo. Come on, we're talking about King David here, the one who was the apple of God's eye, who knew how to create an atmosphere. He flunked at fatherhood. I don't care how much you glow in the dark, if you don't get in your son and your daughter's face, they will go to hell. They will miss God. They'll make a mockery out of the gospel that you believe. Man, I got to become king. I got a prophetic word. I got to make it happen. Yeah, but David, man, here's a young child right here that needs some correction. Ain't got time for that. Just got to believe the grace of God over his life. Well, David, you are the grace of God over his life. Chasing our own success. Folks, I'm telling you, you know, we put a, uh, said, goodbye to a tremendous woman of God. Man, in the end, it's over. What are we leaving behind? Man, your job's going to forget about you in a couple years. There's going to be an old dusty picture of you on the wall. Mark Murphy, 30-year employee, 40-year employee. It's going to get dusty. It's not going to match the decor of the office anymore. They're going to take it down and slide it in a drawer. But your children are going to be establishing a legacy after you're put in the ground. Your job is not going to bust a sweat finding somebody to fill your position. Oh, man, I got to go to work. I got to work hard. They can't do it without me. Yes, they can. They did it before you were there. They will do it after you are there. Oh, the nation's going to fall apart. Donald Trump's not the president. Whether he was president for four more years, we switch him out. Every eight years, look at somebody and say, we switch them out. We switch them out and we just keep on rolling. We keep on cooking. We keep on trucking. We keep on keeping on. Here's a hard hitter. We put the father of this house in the earth. We will this week. He's in the presence of God. The real him is in the presence of God today. I can see him up there now. You know? I remember a lady told him one time, Bishop, you are smooth worshiper. Smooth. And we could say, oh, boy, we're really taking a step back now. Probably one of the greatest prophetic voices, preaching voices, fathers. Man, if there was ever a spiritual father. But you know what? I love Bishop. He loves us. And the thing, first thing he would tell us is, I am now, I know Pastor Chuck sent this to a lot of people, I am now in the great cloud of witnesses, and you better get up off your spiritual rear end and begin to do what I taught you to do. You better begin to live up to the legacy that I poured into your life. How many are people that sat under him here today? Come on, get your hands up. I need to see some hands. About half the church. So there's half the church that did not sit under Bishop. Amen. You have no idea what we're talking about today, just the impact, the pouring into. He would pour himself out every Sunday into this house. But there's coming a an opportunity. And we cannot be caught up hunting for success. I love success just as much as anybody. I don't want to fail. I don't think anybody in this place is today. How are you doing? I don't think anybody's in this place. Man, I want to fail. I don't really want to be a failure. We're going to be a success. We just got to find the ingredients. And somebody's got to start crying out for the family. But pursuing his own success, number three is this. Could have been because he had a bad example as a father. How many would like for your dad... How many would like for your dad to invite all your brothers to the party but leave you out? I mean, that's, I mean I'm mean, i not going to go to the book of Samuel to show the story, but God calls Samuel to go anoint David, and he goes to Jesse's house. <laughs> it's interesting. He goes to Jesse's house and says, listen, I'm going to have dinner with you tonight. Get all your sons there. Somebody say all. Yeah, that's pretty plain, isn't it? Get all your sons there, and I'm going to have dinner with you. And, man, there's, there's got to be something on this. The Holy Ghost is trying to tell us. So they're all there. They had dinner. Dessert's over. Servants come and clean things up. All right, man, I've got some news. I'm here to anoint the king. Now have all your sons, all your sons pass in front of me. And the first one is Eliab or whatever, probably some crazy name. Can't remember the first night. Some, anyway, I remember this about him. He was tall and good looking. So it'd be like me walking in. I got the tall part. Thinning hair. He was tall and good looking. He was grayish on top with a streak of skin down the top of his head. But he was tall and good looking. He was Hollywood material. George Clooney. George Clooney stood up, and Samuel said to himself, Woo, this has got to be him because he will do well in Hollywood. And God says, No, 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 no. Man judges by the outside, but God looks on the heart. And all the sons come parading by, and Samuel says, Are you sure this is everybody? And Jesse says, Well, I got one little old rat of a kid I didn't even think was worthy to come to the party. How many would appreciate your dad doing that to you? Go get him. We're not going to sit down until he gets here. And David walks in, and God tells Samuel, there he is right there. I'm telling you something. There must be something on this. The first son stood up. He was good looking. He had all the externals. He was not him. Hallelujah. See, we're looking for something that's appealing to the eye. What was appealing to Eve when she took the apple? She saw that it was appealing to the eye. That it was good for food and it was profitable for gaining wisdom. First thing was, it was appealing to the eye. David walks in. This is the one. I feel sorry for David when he read Samuel after he was published and thought, oh my God, I thought I was just late. I didn't realize that my dad didn't even respect me enough to let me be part of the party. So, number one, maybe it was because of his own sin. He was a murderer. He was a liar. He was a mess. Amen? Maybe it was. Maybe it was bad fathering. All of us can probably... How many have a father... Should be everybody. Some of you don't. Miguel, how do you some of your kids? Don't have fathers. They did not Where'd they come from? Isaac does not have a father. Hallelujah. Who are you, kid? Where do you come from? Maybe it was bad fathering. Maybe it was pursuing success. But let me close with this. I've got two minutes to say something good. The return of the Father ushers in revival. We don't have time to flip there. Malachi 4, the last book before the New Testament. God says there's going to be a massive outpouring of my presence, and it's going to begin with this. You're going to know there's going to be a massive outpouring when this begins to happen. I'm going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. The hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. I'm all part of being, you know, involved in politics in our nation. But the first politics you better get straight are your responsibility to your children. Here's a word for the children. The first politics you better get straight in your life is your devotion to your parents. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and you may have long life. That wasn't just, you know, I, need, I need 10. Here's one. Honor your father and mother. I don't care what they've done. If you're born again, you've got the love of a father that far exceeds what a natural father could ever do to you. Whew. Number two is this. Two references. You can write them down. Joel 2, 29. I'm sorry, 28. And we get Peter saying it again in Acts 2.17. Here it is. Peter stands up, Joel the prophet. Doesn't really matter who's saying it. In the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. Somebody say all flesh. But then he begins to get specific. Here's what he says. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. So who's he talking to? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He's speaking to fathers. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, in this next Holy Ghost renewal, revival, onslaught of the Holy Ghost, whatever you want to call it, one of the greatest things you're going to begin to see are sons and daughters prophesying. And sons and daughters can only prophesy when they've built proper relations and they have a proper relationship with their father. So God was saying, in this last renewal, fathers, in this last renewal, when you get, begin to get your life right with God, one of the things you're going to see is an outpouring on your children. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. That's the first distinction he makes out of all flesh. Hallelujah. I'm thankful for outpourings on this church. I'm glad when we gather and you can feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. But I'm fixing to declare a word. We better start getting excited. Um, Pastor Corey doing the announcement before service talking about the Holy Ghost touching our young people. What is that? Is that just, oh, we must have good youth pastors. No, it's the sign of the times. sons and daughters. And many of those sons and daughters that engine on Wednesday night have no idea what the Bible is, have no idea what it means to walk in the Holy Ghost. But God is saying, I'm touching sons and daughters even out of respect on how they were raised, what they've been taught, if they were raised up in church or not, because there's some fathers. I told you three weeks ago, God's looking for a father. He's not looking for a game show host. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy, and they'll only release a prophetic word once the fathers begin to take place take their place in the body of Christ. In the last days, when fathers' hearts are turned to their children, the result's going to be an outpouring on young people like you've never seen before. How many have young people today that are not, not serving the Lord? They know the Lord. They, hopefully, they'll go to heaven when they die. You've got, you know, you're just fingers crossed, toes crossed. But I'm telling you, if you've got children today that are lost that are prodigal, that are not living up to the prophetic word over your life. Maybe they don't have their own prophetic word, but they're not living up to the prophetic word over your life. You need to rise up and say, God, you know what? I missed opportunities to shape them. I I was seeking success. I was caught up and tangled in my own sin to confront them when I needed to confront them. But you know what? I'm born again. I'm refathered today. My father concept has been restored. Now, pour out your Holy Ghost on my kids. Hallelujah. Pour out the Holy Ghost on our sons and daughters today. Pour out because I realize the return of the Father ushers in revival. Let me finish with this one. John 3, 16. For the Father... God, the Father of all, so loved the world that he gave his, he didn't give his gardener, he didn't give his accountant, he gave his son. What did he do? He said, I'm going to give the earth the most important thing that it needs. It needs to see a father and a son correctly joined and moving together. The father honoring the son, the son honoring the father. And it will usher in a gospel, a movement that will transcend all eternity. I want to close with this. If God, loving the world so much, gave us Jesus, If the Father, loving us so much, gave us Jesus, what happens when fathers love God with total abandon? Hallelujah. See, I'm telling you, we have bought into Hollywood's perception of a man of God. He's got to be tall, good-looking, fit into skinny jeans, perfect teeth, not say anything offensive, lead from behind, you know, kind of thing, not too dogmatic, just pleasing to everybody, just everybody, whoo, yeah, Mm. I don't even agree with that guy, but wow, look at him. Hollywood, mainstream media, the world system has totally perverted what it means to be a man that loves God. Oh, you, do, you don't dare lift your hands. Oh, you don't dare lift your hands. You don't dare walk up front and just begin to cry out to God. You don't dare go to Tuesday night prayer because you, you don't need prayer, man. You're, you're a man for God's sake. You don't need to humble yourself. You're, you're a man. You're, you're tall. You're strong. You're good looking. You got a job. Hallelujah. But we've got to pull that image down and begin to say, no, a man of God is one that's not afraid to lift his hands. Say, God, I love you today. Oh, hallelujah, I love you because I realize this thing's not going to end with me being applauded by people. It's going to end with me in the presence of God. So I'm not ashamed of you. Come on, why don't you stand on your feet with me as we close out. You know, you say, oh man, that's a Father's Day message what you released today. No, it, it, it encompasses everybody because there's sons and daughters in here that maybe you had a bad dad. Maybe you had a bad natural father experience. That's why the term to begin regeneration is born again. You've got to be re-fathered. My natural father died when I was 10 years old. There, there's not a worse age to lose a parent. I don't care if they're Christian or not. My dad was not a Christian. He gave his life to the Lord on his deathbed. And for years, I, it was a subconscious thing, but I got a prophetic word in my face. You need to forgive your dad. Because there were times I said, man, what would I be like if my dad was still alive? Thank God for a mother who, my God, if you need prayers answered, she'll she'll charge your faith. She's a spiritual warrior. Thank God for her raising me in church, exposing me to some things the best she could. She took me to that Methodist church, made me sit there. I hug the back row a lot of times. You back row people, you get ready. <laughs> Hallelujah. God's fixing to zap the back row. But I wasn't in the back row that day. I was about the third of the row sitting on the aisle about where Ed is. One day you're going to preach the gospel like this, man. And I'm telling you, when you, I didn't jump up. Woo! Prophetic word, I'm gonna preach the gospel. Man, I did. I had 10 years old, nine, ten years old. I think my father had already passed away when I received that word. 10 years old. Methodist Church, how many realize you really don't know what to do with a prophetic word? I mean, if God talks to you in a Methodist church, you're crazy. You know, thank God revival is coming back to the Methodist church, and move the Holy Ghost is coming back to the, Holy, to the Methodist church. I had no idea what to do with it. All I know is I turned my engines to totally fight against that word. I did it whatever I could not to give in. It's just human nature. It's your will. It's called your will. And I fought it till I got 23 years old and I had a powerful encounter with the Lord. And you know the rest of the story. I walked that aisle. First thing I was given was a father in the spirit. Bishop, I love you today. I can remember he used to, just me and him, he'd say, man, come come to my office. Let's read the word together. Now, I remember when I was making a decision to go to Bible college. And, you know, Pastor Kathy was a real boisterous one. They knew it wasn't the will of God for my life. Pastor Kathy, when I finally said, I'm not to go, I, I believe God's just going to raise me up in this house as a son. I'm going to get everything I need right here. I can remember Pastor Kathy looking at Bishop. See, I told you, you should have told him that years ago months ago. But he loved me enough to just let me hear the voice of the Lord for myself. So I love you today, Bishop. I hope I honored you today as I preached. But there's a call for fathers. We are releasing one of the greatest spiritual fathers this week. And I hear the Holy Ghost saying, Father, to rise up. Don't let there be a miss, a skip, a void. Because when there's a void of the father. Foolishness tries to step in. So I need fathers. This is the first call to fathers. If you have children today, you need to lift your hands right now and say, man, I'm getting off of my arrogance. My, I'm shaking off what the world says. Is a man, is a father. I'm telling you, they're doing their best right now to destroy every identity. When you begin to say amen and a woman, there's a spiritual attack on men even though it's not amen, like a bunch of men. It's, yes, I agree. People need to read their Bible. There's a call for men. There's a call for fathers today. There's a call for young men who want to be fathers. You know, one of the greatest apprehensions I had when I, before I got married Was I didn't have a great example, I didn't have a natural great example of a father, and I didn't. But I'm thankful that I got saved and born again before I got married, and because I, I received such great examples of fathers throughout the church. So it helped break down that fear and that apprehension to be a dad. So, fathers, today we lift our hands and say, Father, we shake off what the world says is a Is a godly man, and I fall in love with you today. I need some young sons and daughters to raise their hands and say, you know what, I'm going to begin to honor my dad. I'm going to honor my mother today. Oh, I'm going to quit rebelling like the world does, ridiculing, mocking their authority. Father, we need to move in our nation. We need to move. There's a call coming out to fathers, and I'll thank you for that today. Oh, fathers, fathers, fathers. As soon as I heard the news that Bishop had passed away, the verse of Scripture that came to my mind is when Elijah was taken up to heaven and Elisha was standing there. The Bible says a a firestorm of chariots and horses came between them and took Elijah into the presence of the Lord. And Elisha cried out this, and I just believe it's appropriate today, he cried out, my father, my father, the horses and the chariots of Israel. Father, we cry for fathers. Let there be a fresh cry for fathers in Jesus' name. Oh, fathers, 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 fathers. Oh, hallelujah. We're either making our own enemies or we're making our own victories. Thank you for that today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. We love you. Please be online about the services. I'm not sure. Are they going to live stream some stuff? I'm sure they will. I'm sure folks that had a relationship with Bishop and want to be a part of that, even if you did as a part of this house, I believe it would be good for you to honor him that way. In Jesus' name, we love you. Pray for our pastors this week. See you Tuesday night at prayer.